No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome back to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see that from the eastern bank of the Jordan River, Moses continues his review of the law of God. We hope you'll join us now as Pastor Daryl continues in Deuteronomy chapter 23 on Simply the Bible. As Deuteronomy means second law, Moses continued to review various laws with the children of Israel. We pick it up in Deuteronomy chapter 23. He who is emasculated by crushing or mutilation shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. It's not always easy to understand the reason for certain laws. This is one of those laws. A male who had been emasculated or castrated could not enter the assembly of the Lord. But why not? God doesn't say. We do know that the closer one came to the Lord, the more exclusive the group. Later at the temple in Jerusalem, if you were a Gentile, the closest you could come was the court of the Gentiles. You would be excluded from entering any of the inner courts. Signs were posted in Greek and Latin, giving strict warning that the penalty for such trespass was death. Beyond this was the court of the women, which was as close as you could go as a Jewish woman. Then the court of Israel, where the men could go, followed by the court of the priests. Only the high priest could go into the most holy place, and then only once a year on the Day of Atonement. Those who had been emasculated were excluded from the assembly, which probably meant that they could not participate in Israel's worship service. It didn't mean that they couldn't believe in the Lord and receive eternal life. Isaiah 56.4 says, For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant, even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. In the book of Acts, we read of an Ethiopian eunuch who went to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. And the Holy Spirit led Philip to run beside his chariot and share with him the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we must not think that God did not value eunuchs and others who had been emasculated. But just as God would not permit blemished sacrifices on his altar, so those who drew near in worshiping him could not be mutilated or blemished. Now, we know that in the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians, we are told that Jesus himself is our peace, and he brought down the dividing wall of hostility. We also know that when he died on the cross, that the veil that separated the most holy place from the holy place in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, showing us that we can all enter into the most holy place through the blood of Jesus Christ, no matter what kind of blemish we may have. Verse 2, one of illegitimate birth shall not enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the tenth generation. None of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord. The Hebrew word that is translated illegitimate refers to one who is born of a forbidden or foreign marriage. 
We know that this was a continual problem for Israel. But the offspring of those mixed marriages were not permitted to enter the assembly of the Lord. It was the same with them as with the one who had been emasculated. There is a spiritual application for us in this. For God will not permit illegitimate children into his assembly, meaning those who have not been born again into the family of God. Jesus told the Pharisee Nicodemus, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Therefore, the most important question that any of us could ask ourselves is, do I know that I am born again? Verse 3, an Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, none of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord forever. Because they did not meet you with bread and water on the road when you came out of Egypt, and because they hired against you Balaam the son of Beor from Pethor of Mesopotamia to curse you. Nevertheless, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you, because the Lord your God loves you. You shall not seek their peace nor their prosperity all your days forever." The Ammonites and Moabites were descendants of Lot. They refused to show hospitality when the children of Israel passed through their land on their way to the promised land. Balak, the king of Moab, even hired the prophet Balaam to put a curse upon Israel. But God turned the curses into blessings because the Lord loved Israel. Likewise, the Lord loves everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. Jesus prayed for all believers in John chapter 17. And in verse 23, he said that the Father loves them as he has loved him, Jesus. I am convinced that we have no idea how much the Father truly loves us, nor do we have any idea how many times he has turned the enemy's curses away from us so that he could bless us. Because of what the Ammonites and Moabites did, they were excluded from the assembly of the Lord, and Israel was not to seek their peace or prosperity. Verse 7, You shall not abhor an Edomite, for he is your brother. You shall not abhor an Egyptian, because you were an alien in his land. The children of the third generation born to them may enter the assembly of the Lord. The Edomites, on the other hand, were Israel's brother, so they weren't to hate them. They weren't to hate the Egyptians because they had lived in Egypt. The third generation of Egyptians could enter the Lord's assembly. Egypt is figurative for the world, and God has called us out of the world. But we must not hate those who are still in the world. We were once among them, and God wants us to have his compassionate love for them. How much does God love them? enough to give his only begotten son to die on the cross to save them. Verse 9, When the army goes out against your enemies, then keep yourself from every wicked thing. If there is any man among you who becomes unclean by some occurrence in the night, then he shall go outside the camp. He shall not come inside the camp. But it shall be when evening comes that he shall wash with water, and when the sun sets, he may come into the camp. 
In Leviticus, we're told that a nocturnal emission or some other bodily secretion could make a person ceremonially unclean. And that person would have to go outside the camp until evening. Then he would wash and could re-enter the camp. Verse 12, Also, you shall have a place outside the camp where you may go out. And you shall have an implement among your equipment. And when you sit down outside, you shall dig with it and turn and cover your refuse. For the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and give your enemies over to you. Therefore, your camp shall be holy that he may see no unclean thing among you and turn away from you. God values sanitation. He wants us to take care of our environment so that it's not polluted. They were to take a shovel with them outside the camp and bury their excrement. Now, if you've ever been backpacking, then this is one of the less enjoyable activities, but you certainly want the other backpackers to practice it. Now, the reason God gives this instruction is because he was walking in their camp, and if he saw anything unclean, then he would turn away. In Revelation chapter 1, the Apostle John saw Jesus in the midst of the golden lampstands, which are the churches. And Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. One of my best thoughts each Sunday morning is simply knowing that Jesus is among us. He is holy, and we want to be holy. We don't want to permit anything unclean that would grieve the Holy Spirit or cause the Lord to turn away. Therefore, we must bury our transgressions, if you will, under the blood of Jesus Christ through confession and repentance so that he sees nothing unclean among us. Verse 15, You shall not give back to his master the slave who has escaped from his master to you. He may dwell with you in your midst in the place which he chooses within one of your gates where it seems best to him. You shall not oppress him. As the great Redeemer who redeems us from our bondage to sin, God had compassion for the slave. Verse 17, There shall be no ritual harlot of the daughters of Israel or a perverted one of the sons of Israel. You shall not bring the wages of a harlot or the price of a dog to the house of the Lord your God for any vowed offering. For both of these are an abomination to the Lord your God. The pagan religions had both female and male prostitutes who earned money for the temples of their deities. They worshipped reproduction, and many of their religious rites involved immoral sexual practices. But God considered these to be an abomination, and he did not want these tainted earnings to be brought into his house as an offering. Neither the wages of a harlot nor the price of a dog, speaking of the earnings of a male prostitute. Verse 19, You shall not charge interest to your brother, interest on money or food, or anything that is lent out at interest. To a foreigner you may charge interest, but to your brother you shall not charge interest. That the Lord your God may bless you in all to which you set your hand in the land which you are entering to possess. So they were to freely lend their money to their fellow Hebrews without charging interest. Now that might not seem like such a good deal until you consider how much God would bless them because of it. 
verse 21. When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it, for the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and it would be a sin to you. But if you abstain from vowing, it shall not be sin to you. That which has gone from your lips you shall keep and perform, for you voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. God doesn't require you to make a vow, but he holds you accountable for what you vow. Therefore, it's better not to vow anything than to promise to do something and to fail to perform it. That is one of the reasons why I don't believe in raising money by soliciting pledges. Just give what you purpose in your heart to give, but don't make a promise that you might not be able to keep. Verse 24, when you come into your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat your fill of grapes at your pleasure, but you shall not put any in your container. When you come into your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the heads with your hand, but you shall not use a sickle on your neighbor's standing grain. God had a good system for feeding the hungry. You could walk through someone's field and pick what you could eat for lunch, but you weren't to take any extra. It's sort of like the policy at a buffet. Eat all you want, but don't stuff it in boxes and take it home. God gave good laws for his covenant people. And the more we value these and put them into practice, the happier we will be. We don't do them to be righteous, but because we have been made righteous through faith in Jesus Christ, we seek to do those things that please the Father. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Divorce is one of the hardest things a person can go through. Tomorrow, we'll see where Moses instructs the children of Israel concerning it. We hope you'll join us as we continue through the book of Deuteronomy on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible.